Hello and welcome to The Content Lead. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. Thank you so much for tuning in. This podcast is all about content marketing. Specifically, we'll get into the tactics, strategies, and tools that content marketing professionals out there use to build their brand awareness, lead generation, and a whole lot more. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn from some of the best in the world of content marketing. Hello and welcome to episode number two of the Content Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown, and in this episode, Robin Showers, the head of B2B content at Vimeo, joins me. We have a deep discussion around video marketing, content marketing as a whole, and dive into the tactics and strategies that Robin has seen work and not work over the course of her career. This is a great episode, so sit back, relax, and enjoy it. Well, Robin... Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you know, let's just get right into it. I would love to learn more about you and your background and you're at Vimeo right now. So walk me through your, your experience all the way up to Vimeo. Sure, of course. Um, so I studied English and journalism in school, like I think a lot of content marketers did. <laughs> I don't think that's a unique path. Um, but I've just always loved to write and tell stories. Um, and so I joined the workforce around the time a lot of these online content channels were really starting to emerge for the first time. So, you know, I had a couple of blogs, I joined Twitter really early on, and it was just always something that I did in my spare time. Uh, and my first real job was at uh, an advertising agency. Uh, they had like, uh, it was really an ad serving network, uh, and they had a small in-house creative arm. And so I wrote uh, banner ads, don't hate me, <laughs> and <laughs> advertorials, and um, all of these things. And that's kind of that was kind of my my introduction to marketing. Um, but we quickly, uh, while I was at, in that role, I discovered inbound marketing as a basically googling around trying to figure out how we could um, how we could get more business for the company. Um, and started a blog at our company, uh, started our social handles, uh, started training all of our in-house salespeople um, in how to do social selling. Um, and this kind of led me to my next job, which was at HubSpot. I moved up to Boston. Um, that was really a dream job for me and kind of changed the trajectory of my career. Um, and so, yeah, I went in-house there. I was running their social media channels. Um, and I would say that like that kind of led to everything else. While I was at HubSpot, I fell in love with inbound marketing. I fell in love with startups. Um, I really learned from some of some of the smartest marketers that I've ever had the pleasure of working with. Um, and you know, since then, I've worked at a couple of different startups, starting uh, starting their content marketing engines. Um, worked at a performance marketing uh, agency alongside uh, an SEO team and an advertising team, and really kind of being like that content marketing that content marketing uh, person and building out a team there. Um, and now I'm at Vimeo, uh, where uh, I focus on our enterprise customers and use cases and just work with the most amazing people. And I love it here. Now, it's not every day you get a chance to talk with someone who used to work at HubSpot. And I think for a lot of marketers out there, HubSpot is like the, the upper echelon of just everything to do with the right way to do email marketing. Um, so when you think about your time at HubSpot, what are some of the lessons that you learned there? Cause there's a, I mean, that, it's a content engine. Oh, it really is. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's incredible what they've been able to do and they, um, 
you know, one of the things that I think is really interesting about HubSpot is that they started the marketing blog and all of those uh, different pieces that now lead to, you know, their complete domination on anything to do with, if you're, if you're going after a marketing term, you know, like there's a, there's a gorilla in the room and it's HubSpot. Um, and, uh, you know, they started it before they had a product, right? Like they started with the content, they started with this idea of, um, of how marketing could change and how marketing could be better. So I think that that, like, that was really, that taught me the lesson of just, you know, you don't have to, everything doesn't have to be uh, perfect and in a row for you to start building, building that, uh, building that messaging for customers, you know, like you can really, you can start talking about a subject and learning about a subject before you necessarily have a product. Uh, and that's something that I think we've talked about internally at Vimeo as well, you know, that we kind of have a vision for the next five to 10 years. And like, there are some things that we can actually start now. Um, I definitely learned to be extremely happy. I mean, they, uh, at HubSpot, it's very experimental, um, where at least it was when I was there. I mean, I feel like that it's grown five times over. Um, and it's, I'm sure it's, I'm sure those cultural norms have stayed the same. Um, but I can really only speak to, you know, when it was like around, uh, 800 people, which is around when I was there. Um, but it's very experimental. It's very like, if you have an idea, great, like figure out how to test it test it and report back to the whole company and let us know how it went. And if you, and if you want to do more of it, um, and I really appreciated that model that, you know, like big ideas are absolutely accepted. Uh, it's just a matter of, okay, well, can you, can you prove that it's going to work? Uh, you know, how are you going to resource it? And I feel like that, that framework um, of idea test, you know, iterate, um, that framework of, of, of coming up with a solution for a problem uh, definitely has impacted the way that I do my job 100%. And yeah, I'm really grateful to them for that. Testing is so important. Absolutely is one of the, the key things in marketing and, and throughout my career. I've learned that too. It's like test, test, test. And then when you think you've tested enough, test some more. Test more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so now you're at Vimeo. So for the hand full of people out there that don't know who Vimeo is. I'm sure it's very, very little people. I'm sure most people know what Vimeo is, but can you explain what Vimeo is? You'd be surprised when I first started how many people, uh, it, it became apparent. They're like, oh, you work at Vimeo. And they'd start talking about it. I'm like, oh, you think, you think Venmo. You think I work at Venmo. <laughs> That's different. Um, <laughs> Vimeo, so Vimeo is the world's largest professional video platforming community. Uh, we uh, are focused solely on those behind the camera, and that means we don't compete with Netflix or YouTube for eyeballs. We're not focused on ad revenue. Uh, you know, our mission is to help anyone grow their business with video. So we empower over 175 million members around the world to make, market, and monetize high-quality video. Our users range from freelance video pros to entrepreneurs to large organizations. I work more with the large organizations, um, but the, the common thread is that they all want to make a greater impact on their business uh, or they want to make a greater impact on the world and you know in the case of our filmmakers um, and they're using they're using video to do it and Vimeo is helping them by providing all of those tools which is really a really fun mission to uh, to be creating content for. Vimeo has grown a lot over the years because when I first uh, started interacting with Vimeo this was years and years ago it was really just a video platform to host your videos and now, I mean, there's B2B offerings, all types of, of services now. It's, it's grown exponentially over the years. 
Yeah, no, you're not kidding. Um, yeah, and we just, I mean, just this year, we released another new product, uh, Vimeo Create, which I'll probably talk about a little bit later. I know that we're going to talk about kind of the nuts and bolts of how you make videos. And yes. uh, uh, we definitely rely on like our own products, as you might imagine. Yep. Um, but yeah, we've got lots of different solutions now. I mean, uh, Vimeo OTT is a product that I work on a lot. That's uh, basically uh, a product that allows companies with a lot of videos to create their own Netflix style subscription networks. Um, Vimeo Enterprise, which is for large businesses to host all their videos, but also to live stream these like, you know, big high stakes events, um, you know, everything from corporate town halls to concerts to um, you know, the conferences, like you name it, and we've probably helped produce it. Um, yeah, no, Vimeo has grown exponentially, uh, and it, it is really exciting to see what our engineering team comes up with next. So that's actually a good segue into the tactics of video, which is the real meat of this podcast and the reason why I wanted to chat with you, because uh, I just wanted to learn myself, selfishly. Um, <laughs> so when it comes to, uh, so your role at Vimeo, you're, you're focused on B2B video, correct? So I focus on B2B content. I almost content. feel like I, I feel like I should have, I should have been like, you know, we should have had somebody from the video production team on here. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm focused on B2B content. So that's, you know, in whatever form it comes, uh, really setting that strategy for what are we going to create? How are we going to talk to our target audiences? Um, and how are we going to get it all done? So on that, on that front, so there's a lot of different formats uh, that you can be producing as a B2B content marketer, eBooks, webinars, all that. So what's your thought process going into the strategy around what should we be creating uh, and, and why? Yeah, I mean, because we're Vimeo and I, I've applied this at any, any company that I've worked at, you know, I very much believe in uh, drinking your own champagne, right? And so like, you know, because we're Vimeo, we try to be video first, right? So we're going to go through whatever the goal of the content is, we're going to go through the options to present that through video. So for instance, for lead gen, you know, like we do have a lot of eBooks and guides and they are some of our best performing assets. Um, However, when we're, you know, trying to create a new Legion campaign, we're much more likely to do a live broadcast um, or to, um, you know, to create like a series of video lessons um, or to do something along those lines where we can deliver that value that is worth somebody giving us their information uh, via video. Um, and I'd say the same thing with, uh, yeah, with like brand campaigns or with social media, like we're definitely going to try to, we're going to, we're going to figure out like what the video component is first. Um, I'm actually uh, leading up, you know, we're like everybody else in the world, I, I feel, uh, SEO initiatives, I, for some reason, everybody woke up in 2020 and was like, oh, SEO is even more important than it was <laughs> last year. Um, <laughs> it's always been important, but uh, yeah, so we're really, you know, we're really doubling down on that. Um, and even there, you know, there's a lot of ways to plug in video. Like I think that, you know, every, and this, we're not there yet, but every blog post should have a video component. And, you know, like when you search something, there's this whole row of YouTube videos that come up, you know, and like, we want to, we want ours to show up there. Um, so I, I think we definitely think through audience and message first, but because of the fact that we're Vimeo, Medium is a pretty, it's pretty close, close follow. You mentioned SEO. I feel like SEO ebbs and flows in terms of importance. Like one right? year people are like, oh yeah, SEO. The next year it, you don't hear anything about SEO. It's maybe video or podcasting. And then the next year is like, oh wait, what about SEO? We got we to figure that one out again. 
because it changes yeah, so much. I feel like <laughs> it does. Yeah, I feel like 2018, 2019 um, are when it's like when Google started surfacing more of the answers on the page and people were like, oh, there's no click throughs. SEO doesn't matter anymore. It's dead, guys. Yeah. And now it's like, it's not. It's not, though. It's how <laughs> we all find information. Yeah, don't forget about good old friend <laughs> SEO. <laughs> so when it comes to video, I mean, there's a, actually, we were talking about HubSpot. Uh, they did a research report, I believe it was 2020. And uh, of the people that they interviewed for that research report, I believe it was like around 80 to 90% of the marketers said that they're already using video. But that doesn't, that's, that's great. That's great, but that's not a hundred percent. So there's still some folks that aren't using video and, you know, there's a lot of excuses. Now it's expensive or we don't have somebody in house. When you're talking to a company or just even an individual who is interested in video, but just hasn't jumped in fully, what do you tell them in terms of like showing them how actually easy it is to start with video? Yeah, I feel like for companies that just haven't started at all, it's really about, uh, yeah, just just getting over that fear and doing it, you know, because video is more accessible than it ever has been before. I mean, you don't even need a camera. Like most of our phones have cameras in them. You can record a lot of video on your phone, a surprising amount, uh, and it'd be pretty high quality. Um, so yeah, I would say, I mean, generally with a business like that, I've pushed them to two main things, to either, uh, you know, uh, very like, Vimeo Create, which I mentioned before, um, an app. It's an app on your phone. It literally, you know, you can you can choose from um, from video clips that are within the app, or you can upload your own. Uh, you can even put in stills, and it'll kind of like add movement to them. Uh, it makes it incredibly easy. There's all these templates. Um, makes it incredibly easy to put together, you know, like short ads or social media videos. Um, so to get started, a with something like that. Um, and B, to try their hand at live video. And I feel like there's a lot of fear around live video because yeah. you can't edit it, but that's also the beauty of live video. You can't edit it, so you don't need an in-house editor. Right. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> like, um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, so that, those are kind of the, the main two things that I usually recommend is it's like, start with the short videos, start with something where you can, um, you know, you can turn other content into videos. You can turn kind of an idea for a blog post, uh, into, you know, a short, like, okay, like if this is four ways to, uh, four ways to make video, right? Like that could be told in a small graphic video, uh, or on the other hand, just sort of get a guest, do it podcast style. Uh, we actually did a show last year that was a video show, but it was podcast style. Um, and yeah, have a conversation about something. And I think that's a pretty, I feel like it's, it's both are pretty low cost and um, low stakes ways to start playing around with video. Once you sort of see what's working and what's not, you know where it's worth putting that extra investment in. And I feel like in terms of repurposing, video is one of those formats that are, it's just, it's perfect for repurposing because you can chop it up. You can take the audio, put it on SoundCloud or turn that into a podcast and take that and embed it onto a blog post, et cetera. So I feel like it's a very versatile medium. Yeah, I think that's very true. Um, and even the, in the reverse too, repurposing something written into, into mm -hmm. a video. Cause I mean, you've basically got a script right, right there. And you just kind of need to, you just kind of need to trim really to get it there. Right. What about in-house talent? So I know just from, 
a people perspective for, you know, companies who do have that fear of jumping in. One of the, the reasons I've heard is that, oh, we don't have somebody in-house that can actually do this. So I'm just curious on, on your thoughts on that in terms of, you know, how do you go about finding in-house talent, people who would be willing to, to do it, or how do you coach them to be comfortable in front of a camera? Because I feel like that's the big fear too, is being in front of a camera. Not a lot of people are comfortable with doing that. Yeah, that's very fair. Um, I, I have to, I have to first of all admit that because I mean we do have a lot of in-house talent at Vimeo that I am a little bit less, uh, I feel like less equipped to speak to this. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and just share my thoughts anyway. Yeah, um, I just want to like just want to be be clear that we definitely yeah like we have an in-house video production team um, and we lean on them pretty hard and we have a lot of people who you know they are at Vimeo because they love video and they love to be on camera. We're really lucky in that sense. Um, but yeah, I would say, I mean, first of all, there are a lot of tutorials, right? There are a ton of like, it's very easy to learn. Like some of these low stakes things, it's very easy to learn. I mean, video, video, video school is one way. Um, there are, it, you do a quick Google and you can find lots of, lots of information about how to get started really quickly with video. I'd say keep it as simple as possible. Don't get lost in uh, you know, trying to decide which camera you need or which microphone or like the tech of it all, you know, like start with what you have um, and try to just keep it simple. Um, and as far as, I mean, as far as fear of being on camera, I think that's really just practice, you know, like it's really just uh, taking the leap the first time, maybe, maybe doing it in a really low stakes way. Like we actually uh, last year with this, uh, this live show that I mentioned, the first couple of live shows because it was the first one that we had ever done and we were we were very nervous about going about going completely live with like you know on a weekly basis so like less prep work than your typical live broadcast um and so we did i think two to three where we just interviewed in-house people and we we only shared it with like the the vimeo employees like we like it was available but we weren't promoting it and so we just you know for a couple of weeks worked out the kinks until we actually like then went fully live and did a did an eight week an eight week run of that show, um, but yeah, I'd say I'd say as far as getting over your fear of being on camera, it's just it's just practice. It's just being prepared. It also will take a little time uh, to get over hearing your own voice too. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes, that's so true. Yeah, I'm glad I ha I have headphones on and that's helping this a lot. Um, but yeah, I have I have a really hard time uh, once we've you know after we've filmed something and. We, we kind of need to go through and look at all the footage and pick out the clips that we want, you know, sort of like parse through what we've done. I have a really hard time watching anything that I've, I've been speaking in. I'm like, hey, someone else do it. I just, I, I hate everything I'm saying. I'm right there with you. It's, it's, it's yeah. tough. It's, it's a weird, a weird just experience of a seeing yourself, but also hearing yourself. Like you, it, for some reason, it, it, it takes some getting used to. It really does. And you notice things, you notice things that you then can't, you can't unnotice. So for instance, I say awesome way too often. It's my go-to when I'm nervous and between questions with guests. I'm like, awesome. Thanks for that answer. And now I hear it in my everyday life and I'll be in a meeting and I'll say it cringe because I'm like, oh God, I can't stop saying it. Like pick a new word. Yeah, you get you 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 end up like you. It's it's hard to not um, to not self edit. I think once you've had to self edit. Yeah, we are our own worst critics. 
Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> so in terms of your top tips for video creations, that's everything from ideation to execution. What tips do you tend to give other companies, other content marketers when it comes to video content? When it comes to creating video content? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great question. I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever written them down like in a, in an easy to, uh, easy to digest list format. Although that's a great blog post. So thank you. Um, <laughs> I will take um, credit for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the risk of, at the risk of repeating myself a little bit, um, I'd say first, like, keep it simple, right? Like don't try to, especially if you're just getting started with video, like really do not try. You will, you will, you can very easily intimidate yourself um, by trying to get way too complicated. Um, Keep it short, you know, shorter content is just generally more compelling unless you really, um, unless there's a very good reason like to have it longer, unless you're really covering a lot of ground. Um, And so again, when you're just getting started and maybe you're not uh, super well versed in the scripting phase, like just aim to, you know, if it's whatever length it is, probably cut it in half, right? (laughs) Um, So keep it really short. Um, And then I'd say approach video the same way, like if I'm talking to a content marketer, especially, right, approach video the same way that you would approach any other content medium. I think that, um, you know, a lot of times the uh, request to make a video comes like that. Like there's not, there's not necessarily another, it's just like, we need more video, make a video. And it's divorced from any uh, content goals. Um, So yeah, know, know who you're talking to, who is this video for? know what you're trying to say, um, you know, like really think through like the, the fact that this is a video, if you don't have anything to say, will not in and of itself make it interesting. You have to have something to say the same way you do with any other content medium. Um, so I feel like starting from what you know, and then kind of layering in, okay, well now we're going to make this visual. So what, what of these, if I have the script in front of me, what of these things do I have to say out loud or do I have to, you know, maybe have in words on the bottom of the screen and what can I actually show visually, you know? And so it's really like, it's more, um, it's like you've got more, more levels to work with and to play around with um, at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think those are my top tips. I feel like if you ask me tomorrow, they'll be totally different. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think it's just, you know, people are much more intimidated by video than they really, than they need to be. And video, I mean, people watch, this actually really depresses me as a writer. Um, People watch 10 times or 10 times as much video daily as they read. Like they read for like 15 minutes a day and they watch, you know, video like 150 minutes a day. Um, And so guilty. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm actually, actually, no, I'm one of those weird people who reads, like I like to skim through, um, but uh, which, which, yeah, is, is ironic given, given where I work and what I do. Um, but yeah, but exactly. Like the majority of people are just not going to read your, your beautifully written ebook. And so you need to make it, you know, if, if you have all these great things to say, but it doesn't land, then you failed. Like it just doesn't, you've, you've failed as a content marketer. It has to be in a digestible format or, you know, you haven't gotten your message across. Would you say that scripting um, is a useful kind of tactic to overcome fear? Because I feel like knowing, uh, one thing that makes people stumble is not knowing what to say, or at least they feel like they don't know what to say. Yeah. What, is, what is your opinion about scripting? 
I think it's an incredibly useful tactic for getting over fear with the caveat that you do not want to adjust. And I think this is much easier today because we're all doing this on computers, right? And so like, it, whereas, um, whereas when we were in the office, maybe it was a little bit harder to literally read from the script. Um, it's very obvious if you're just reading from a script, right? So I think it's extremely useful. I think anything, especially if it's live video, but just anything with video, the more prepared you can be, the better. Um, so writing out what you're going to say, you know, really like going through that, especially if it's something that you're nervous about. Like some people can just, some people can just wing it. And if that's your style, like more power to you, you know, and, and also I'm jealous and uh, like teach me your ways. Um, but uh, yeah, some people, they can, they can do that and that's totally fine. But I would say for most of us, we kind of need to know where we're going and like, yeah, reading it over and over again and having that script um, you know, a little bit memorized in your head is extremely helpful. I think it's also, um, it's also helpful for just not going off topic. Um, you know, the same way that, uh, if you've ever sat down to write a blog post, your first take was probably terrible, right? Like I don't, at least maybe that's just me. Like I, my, yeah, the first pancake is always bad. And then I come back and I edit it and it's, and it's better. Um, but I think that I think that the same thing can be said for video, and because it's uh, because often there's more people than just you involved in making a video. Like you maybe have somebody filming it, you maybe have you know maybe you have a full production, and like you really want to get it on that first take. Um, you know you wanna you wanna make the first pancake earlier. You wanna really know where you're going. Um, and and this is this is like this is going outside of the realm of keeping it simple. Like this is really getting into like videos where you're working with a larger team. Um, but if you are, then you want to write, you, you want to make sure that you're scripting it out beforehand so that you can be collaborating with a larger team. Now I want to transition to live streaming. Now I know Vimeo does a lot of live streaming, so I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. When it comes to using platforms like LinkedIn or YouTube, from what I've seen, not many companies have tapped into live streaming. Now, of course, there are webinars, but live streaming in the true sense of the phrase, you know, live streaming events, things like that, hasn't been leveraged enough. And so I'm curious to get your thoughts on live streaming. More importantly, any tips or advice you'd give companies who are on the fence about live streaming? Yeah, well, and I think, I mean, I think the main thing that I, that we hear a lot about live streaming, even for webinars, is that, um, people just get very nervous about being on camera, which is especially funny in today's world where so, you know, where we're, we're on video conferences pretty often, right? Um, but there's something very different about broadcasting your face out to the world. Um, and I know that's something that we do a little bit differently than a lot of other companies do even webinars, which is kind of a dirty word here. We don't really like to use it. Um, we usually call them live broadcasts or something like that. Um, but when we do sort of a like informational video session that's sort of a longer deep dive into a topic, um, we do tend to like at least have a picture in picture um, or uh, do a lot of, we, we try to not just have like slides and someone talking over them um, to add some variety and to really ha add like that human face. Like it's just, you know, we're so trained to want to frankly, look at a human face and like read their emotions and like we get so much out of that. Um, but I'd say that's something that we uh, we do differently when it comes to live broadcasts. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as broadcasting out to social networks, it really depends on what your uh, what your goal is for the broadcast, right, before you start. Um, if you're just looking for reach, which is a completely 
like, you know, completely admirable goal, right? There's lots of things where you just need to get the word out. It's not necessarily about lead gen. It's not necessarily about selling tickets or um, speaking to a specific audience. Um, if it's just sort of, you know, we want to reach as many people as possible. Um, we really tell customers to use simulcasting functions. So that's something you can do through Vimeo. Um, and basically that way you don't have to choose between streaming to YouTube or streaming to Facebook or streaming to LinkedIn. You know, you can have one stream where you stream out to all of those different places, um, which is definitely if, if your goal is reached, like, you know, that obviously increases it tenfold. Um, I would say the only, uh, the only challenge with that and thing to remember in general, I think about simulcasting to social media networks is that they are social and that you really want, I would say it should almost be, depending on the complexity of what you're talking about in the stream, it should almost be a different person manning the comment section. You know, it kind of works well when it's, when you're, when you're able to, uh, when you're able to uh, both be on that, because the person in the video, you know, like they're asking questions for that person to answer um, or the multiple people in the video, sometimes you have a guest. Um, so it's great to like engage in the stream and show that you're, you know, show that it's live, prove that it's live, that it's not live to tape, uh, you know, actually engage with the comments. Um, but to also, uh, you know, there'll be, depending on, depending on how, uh, how often you're doing this and how engaged you get, uh, you know, often we find that like the person on screen can't reply to all of the comments because they're coming in so fast and furious and uh, which is awesome, but there needs to be somebody on there kind of replying to them in real time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it really comes down to, it comes down to what your goal is with live video, you know, um, because if your goal is to reach like a, a small distinct audience, or if you're sharing something that really needs to not get out beyond that audience, like then you're often better off putting it behind a paywall, embedding the video, um, or putting it behind like a lead gen wall, um, or some other type of security, like for internal communications, we have um, SSO features, single sign-on, um, so that people can make sure that like only people with a Vimeo.com address are able to get into this. Um, so it really just depends on like what the, cause there's, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different goals, I think, for live streamed videos. Um, so there's lots of, lots of different solutions. So you mentioned something that is super important. So I've done webinars where it was just myself doing it and controlling everything. Mm -hmm. And I've done webinars where it was myself um, and then maybe a speaker I was controlling like the back end and just whatever we're using, whether it's a Zoom or a go-to webinar. So much easier when you have a partner in crime that's controlling the questions portion and just kind of monitoring things on the back end because you're right, it's really difficult to do everything when you're the, and the actual speaker too. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we've done, we've done both versions, um, mostly because we just kind of wanted to, we just kind of wanted to experiment with, uh, with doing them out like one person, even though we have access to, um, uh, to production services, um, which we, I don't know, we just kind of wanted to test out that format and be like, like, will it be as good? And I do think that it just comes down to, how produced it's going to be, how interactive you're going to be with the comments. Like if you are just going through a slide deck and presenting an idea or doing kind of a shorter, um, shorter, more casual format, like then you can usually handle it. But yeah, it's just if, if you can get some more people involved, um, it ups the production value so much more. 
um, yeah, having having somebody to even without an external camera, but definitely having somebody to to control the camera and the cuts is really helpful. But yeah, I, I think that having having at least one other person on board to like keep an eye on the comments, make sure that everybody's like a lot of times it's not even substantive um, substantial comments that you need that person to monitor for, right? It's stuff like I, I can't, the video is pixelated for me and it's usually because like, well, your home internet's not that great. You just need to, you just need to dial it down, you know, from auto to 1080p or to 720p or to whatever, um, to whatever it needs to be. Um, or uh, I can't hear, or I feel like a lot of times it's, it's like 90% technical issues that come up during webinars or like, you know, my friend, I can't get on. Like, am I on the right, am I in the right place? Is this where I'm supposed to be? Um, so just having somebody on board to be like, yep, yep, you are. Here's the answer to that question. Don't worry, because it's almost, it's almost always a very solvable problem. <laughs> Absolutely. So last question for you. So besides Vimeo, what is your favorite example of content marketing out there in the world and why? All content marketing or all content, all content marketing. Just, okay. So any format, not, not video specifically. Let's do, let's do both. Let's do, let's do first, let's do just, just video. And then we can go to all other formats for video. And to be fair, this isn't easily replicated because it's a very high production quality. Um, but it's just, I, I just, I feel like there are very few product videos where I will watch more than 30 seconds of it. Um, where I, at the end of it, I'm a little sad that it's over. Um, and actually like, and where there's actual characters involved. And so, um, you know, Apple about a year ago, um, did this video short called the underdogs where, um, this group of people, like, I think at the beginning, the beginning, the leader of the group, her car gets hit by the CEO's car. And basically she, the CEO's like, can I do anything to help? She goes, uh, yeah, actually I'd like a meeting. Um, and so then throughout the course of the video, like she comes to her team and it's like, Hey, I have a meeting with the CEO, like, let's get together our project. And so they put together this plan to make pizza boxes round instead of square. And they use all of Apple's products throughout the thing. Um, but basically the characters are so vivid. It's I, like, I would watch an entire series with this, these characters. Um, and then they did a, they did a repeat this year with the, the whole working from home thing is what it's called. You can look it up on YouTube. Um, and it's hilarious. My entire team watched it. We actually stopped everything we were doing and like live slacked about it as we were all watching it because it was just that entertaining. Um, and I think that that like I and I also learned new things about Apple products while I was watching it, which I think is a really hard thing to do. Like it was truly it was it was entertainment grade product marketing. Um, so I think that I mean, that was just like for me, that's kind of a shining beacon of like what a really great video can do, something that can entertain and teach at the same time. Um, as far as who's doing like great content marketing overall, um, there's a lot of good examples. I'm trying to think of like who I've been, who I've been looking to recently. Um, I've been uh, embroiled in, this is, this is not as much, well, it, it touches video marketing because YouTube is definitely, and, and thinking about how we uh, do better with the metadata and everything on our own Vimeo videos is part of this, but I've been embroiled in an SEO project. So I'm really looking at like a lot of evergreen content, a lot of long form content. Um, and so, I mean, you can, you can guess all of the brands that do that well, you know, like HubSpot does that well, Drift does that well, Intercom does that well. And uh, actually, I really like the way that um, Intercom in particular, I know that their editorial model is that 
they, instead of hiring on staff writers, they hire, you know, on staff editors and the idea is that they kind of like get the ideas out of their subject matter experts in house, um, which is something that we've uh, that we've done some of at Vimeo too, just because we do have a lot of people who like their, you know, their whole life has been about video and they have so much knowledge to share. And I think that that's a different, um, it's a different skill set, interviewing that out of somebody and turning it into something super, um, super readable and cogent. Um, but I also just think that it makes the, it makes the content so much more applicable when it's not like this very high level, like what I was able to Google and find out. Um, it means that they're like these deep thought pieces. I just want to double click on that. So you touched yeah. on. Love that phrase, by the way. I don't think I've heard that before. <laughs> nice. uh, you touched on interviewing subject matter experts in-house. Yeah. So, and I've done that before in previous companies when it's like, when you're new to an industry and you don't know a whole lot about it and you're trying to create content, that's really difficult. But there are people in-house that have the experience and kind of taking that intercom approach of actually going to those subject matter experts and just sitting down with them. And instead of them creating the content, because obviously they're busy and they have other responsibilities, just ask them questions and have them answer it, record those answers and actually turn that into content. I found that that is like a, a shortcut to actually content creation when you don't have all the answers for a particular topic or uh, just if you're covering an industry in general. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think what you're touching on too about like getting to know an industry from the beginning, it's also much more low stakes to interview that out of people inside your company where you're allowed to look a little bit stupid because they know you're new before you go to customers because that's where a lot of the knowledge comes from too, right? Is interviewing subject matter experts outside your company. But yeah, you want to have enough of like, okay, these are the words we use. Got it. Okay. I can, I can repeat these when I ask questions. Um, to customers. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think that's so important to figure out like who in your company is, is just like sitting on a wealth of knowledge um, and figuring out how to make that uh, very easy for them to share with you and how to turn that into content that like they are also really, really happy to put their name on um, or to have been a part of. That's actually something I've been thinking about a lot more recently, um, in part because of the fact that we that we're doubling down on our SEO efforts, which tend to be very, you know, top of funnel. And so it tends to be more stuff like, uh, like, what is video marketing? Or what is, you know, OTT, which is like over the top technology, you know, stuff that's very like, it's not it's, it needs to be answered. And if you're new to the industry, like uh, finding a great answer to those questions is your way in. Um, but I I've been thinking about how we need to balance that on the other side with like, you also want your brand to be known for being the leader in that industry. And that's usually many layers deeper than those top line SEO queries, right? And so that, I feel like that bottom of the funnel thought leadership content always comes from your internal thought experts. It comes from the peak thought experts, just like mashed together a bunch of like marketing lingo right there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it always comes from the people in your company who are working, they're working with customers every day. They're working to solve these problems as they pop up. And like, that's where the really interesting stuff comes from. Um, so yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big advocate of like making all the connections, making sure that content touches everyone because, you know, we want to, we, we want it to be as relevant as possible. We don't want it to be like living in a, living in a, a white ivory tower somewhere, like just, you know, making stuff up. Right. I mean, it's also important too, you know, in, in a world where 
basically anybody can create content, especially in the B2B space. I find that a lot of content marketers are creating basically the same type of content. And a lot yeah. of times it's the same topic, the same, uh, you know, the same kind of discussion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's regurgitated. Yeah, basically, yeah. And it's just, they, they find a new angle to talk about a, certain, a particular topic. But at the end of the day, it's really not anything net new. And so it really does a disservice to, you know, your audience when you're creating something that's already out there. So going to subject matter experts inside and just having conversations with them who've, like you mentioned, that they're talking to customers all the time or, you know, they're out there, uh, whatever they're doing, uh, they have a certain level of knowledge and experience that you really can't find anywhere else. And so the conversations you would have with them is unique. And so yeah. from a content creation perspective, it's, you're not, like you said, regurgitating something that you see, oh, you know, HubSpot created something in the marketing automation world. I'm just going to copy that topic and put my own spin on it. That's nothing really new. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like thought, um, thought leaders within your own company often, like I, I really, I like to zero in on tactics, you know, like it's fun to talk about like why we do things and how to think about it. But you know, I, I, when you're, when you're Googling, for instance, like how to live stream, like you want the nuts and bolts of like, no, 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 but I'm going to do this tomorrow. How do I actually do this thing that I'm trying to do? Um, and a lot of times, yeah, the people within your company are like, oh yeah, like here's an internal, you know, here's something that I share with customers and it walks us through every single step or it lays out a workflow in a really easy to understand way. Um, or it's a spreadsheet that, you know, like, you know, you can easily replicate and plug in all of your value. Like I find that like that stuff, those are usually the gold nuggets. Um, yeah. And there, and there's usually somebody internally who's like, oh yeah, I've like, I've just made one because I need to share this all the time. And you're like, people would love this. Let's, let's polish this up and let's share this with the world. <laughs> exactly. Well, Robin, that's all I have for you. It's been a fantastic conversation. So thank you so much for joining the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Content Lead. If you want more just like it, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you get the latest episodes. With that being said, I'll see you on the next episode of The Content Lead.